sure you're ready i'm totally ready i always look forward to this oh yeah it's my favorite recording session time so if anybody wonders what the hell is in my cheek i got sick it's a cough drop don't worry about it yeah if i sound funny it's because she's sick and i sound funny (laughs) i'll admit that all the time. I make money um, all the time anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, we typically record on a Sunday, and today is Thursday, and it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Woo. Neither one of us is doing anything this morning except recording, and it feels good. Yeah, I woke up like extra. It was like, you know, like Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. I, I still can't sleep in on Christmas morning. It's just a thing. I don't There's sleep like in any day. Frenetic energy <laughs> where you're just like so excited. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't sleep this morning. Mm. I woke up at five. I was like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. I Why? I was up I was up at three and then four thirty oh, and then five thirty. Oh geez. And five thirty was when I was planning to get up because I was gonna keep you know editing my story you woke but... up at three it's the witching hour yeah I seem to always wake up at three there's a ghosty mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. somebody's haunting you yeah it's called one of my children probably <laughs> <laughs> that, li- that little one loves to come in I mean, the middle of the night <laughs> she is she's pretty cuddly though so it's fine yeah she's sweet all right my craft i'm gonna start i'm ready awesome i'm still working on hats oh says the season i know i love your hats just, every, just so everyone knows i have like 10 per hats and i've given like 20 of them it's true she she, <laughs> like, does. she shops with I, you I love her hats. They're the best. I'm knitting. It's my own little pattern. Oh, I I like that. I mean, I don't like write these down. I just make it up as I go. So that's just how my brain works. Yeah. It's kind of how mine does too. Yeah. We just kind of do things and then we're like, oh man. Everybody's like, do you sell that pattern? (laughs) It's the same with cooking. It is. I I don't have recipes. I don't yes. really use re- recipes. We just kind of, I don't know. You and I, our whole lives, have just kind of figured things out and done them. That's that sums everything up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like everything. Everything. Oh. Um, There's no rhyme or reason. We just mm, do. Yeah. So my coffee today is from Dead Sled coffee oh i love that company they're amazing it's the hellbilly yay hellbilly brew rob zombie and 
his lovely wife, Sherry Moon Zombie. Yep. Um, awesome. They're like a couple goals. Um, and they're all organic, which is really cool. So I was really excited to see an organic coming out of this company because I don't think that most of their stuff has, I don't think they even have organic coffee normally. Right. Very excited. And it's a... Um, well, with them, you know, they are very earth friendly and exactly. conscious about everything and everyone and animals and mm-hmm. uh, Sherry Moon Zombie is very much all about the animals and yeah. care. Oh my gosh. Them. Do you follow her? on instagram mm-hmm, i do i follow both of them same but like <laughs> her animal posts are so cute yeah so sweet so they have good um, hearts so yeah. i can imagine they would collaborate and make an organic yeah oh for sure yeah um but that's a single origin from uganda so it's really tasty it's like a medium-ish roast definitely not dark dark so yeah flavor and caffeine oh yes mm-hmm. lovely cough drop and coffee do not mix well okay <laughs> oh don't laugh too hard i'll start coughing okay all right so today i am covering the mall passer also known as james Mitchell de Bartleben the Ooh. second. Wow. Um, and he went by Mike, but I'm not going to call him that. Um, trigger warnings for this episode. Um, yes, he was a counterfeiter, but he kidnapped, raped, tortured, possible murdered people. So Ooh. if, you know, I'm not going to go into detail because... I never do. I don't like going into detail on that stuff. So, but we'll go into detail. It's usually me. The other stuff. Well, I mean, you're not going to go into great detail about like somebody getting not, tortured. No, no, no. Exactly. Okay. So James DeBartolaben is a convicted kidnapper. It's quite with- a mouthful. I know. DeBartolaben. <laughs> I should try spelling it five million times. Um. He's a convicted kidnapper, rapist, and counterfeiter, and a suspected serial killer. Hmm. And that just means that he was never convicted. Right. Because they could never prove that he actually killed anyone. Hmm. But through his travels, he was linked up to areas where murders were happening. So, um, and there's some other stuff, but we'll get to it in a minute. Um, He was born in Little Rock, Arkansas on March 20th, 1940, as the second of three children born to James DeBartolaben Sr. and Mary Lou Edwards. See, I'm already screwing up the last name. (laughs) DeBartolaben. (laughs) Say that five times fast. Oh, shiza. (laughs) The DeBartolabens were a military family, which meant they moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so DeBartolaben got the name the mall passer by the secret service agents who had been trying to capture him for about three years during his counterfeiting scheme um, he would pass counterfeit bills inside the malls that were in close proximity to the interstates across the US 
So, yeah. And it was always... That is smart because so many tourists come through there and Mm -hmm. it's hard to track. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially during this time, you know, this is happening early 80s. No. So we didn't malls were extremely popular back then. We didn't have have social media or anything. We didn't have internet. Right. Any real way of easy communication, Mm -hmm. except an old phone call. (laughs) You know, a wired phone. Get that landline. Yeah, that's all we had. That was our lifeline. Um So after he was captured for counterfeiting, authorities soon found out he had also committed several sadistic sex crimes. Um, But again, we'll get to that in a minute. You can do it. Yes. In 1956, at the young age of 16, DeBartolabin physically assaulted his mother. On September 8th of that year, he purchased two handguns and ammunition with a friend. And later that month, he was arrested and convicted of his first felony, um, possessing a concealed firearm. Mm. This was the first arrest of many that followed on sodomy, attempted murder, kidnapping, and other charges. Yikes. Yes. A winner. (sighs) Yeah. Great. Um, Yeah, I'll have to post the composite sketch. Mm. it's attractive (laughs) (laughs) you should see your face right now (laughs) he had signature glasses too Um. telling you they were pretty cool um in the spring of 1957 de was expelled from peter shiler Shiler. I'm saying Shiler. <laughs> High school, which effectively ended his formal education. Um, in October of that year, he enlisted in the U.S. Air Force and was stationed at the Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. But after only a year, he was court-martialed for disorderly behavior and sentenced to two months in the base stockade. Sorry, I'm like kind of laughing about that because like should have kept him there forever. Yeah. Um, in 1958, <laughs> he was ordered to see a psychiatrist for counseling after he was pronounced AWOL several times. Um, and at the age of 18, only 18 years old, he was discharged from the Air Force and moved in with relatives in Fort Worth, Texas. Hmm. So now we're in 1959. It sounds like he had issues with authority or yeah, he just had issues, period. Period. Yeah. <laughs> In August of that year, he married his first wife, Linda Weir. But um, 
three weeks later separated from her <laughs> three weeks um also that month he was arrested for attempted robbery with an accomplice followed two weeks later by his involvement in a string of auto thefts and was sentenced to five years probation hmm. um let's see in October, same year, he fathered a premature stillborn daughter with an unidentified woman. Um, there's just some random stuff in here from his life. but Yeah. All of that stuff affects people. So. The oh, Lehman, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean he was choices. already screwed up. So. Yeah. Um, the Laban later met Charlotte Weber who was 17 at the time he started courting her in March, 1960, he impregnated Charlotte. And on June 9th, the same year married her on December 12th, 1960, he successfully fathered a daughter, Bethine. Bethine. It's quite a name or Bethany with an E at the end. What do you think? I don't know. It's spelled really weird. Yeah. But People are strange sometimes. People are strange when you're a stranger. <laughs> Faces look ugly when you're alone. Pardon and moi. <laughs> um, afterward, Charlotte became pregnant again with another child, but was forced by DeBartelaben to give it up for adoption. Bastard. Mm. You know, yeah, I would have left his ass right then. But like, I'm yeah. keeping this baby. But he probably would have murdered her. So, um, in August, uh, yeah, August 1961, his brother Ralph committed suicide for undocumented reasons. Um, sorry, completed suicide. I didn't put that word in there, just so you know. That was, uh, yeah from one of my places I did my research. Okay. So we're done with his like so we don't know life. Yeah, but we don't know how the brother committed suicide. We have no clue. He just completed it somehow. Mm-hmm. Somehow. So um, more more family trauma. Right. But he seemingly doesn't care about any of that. Cuz a lot of people that are serial killers or criminals are not empathetic so they really don't care what happens to people exactly they don't have Um, the ability yeah i've known some people like that yeah it's sad they scare me um so now we're going to go into the actual mall passer case okay Um, so in the early 80s Secret Service agents were investigating a string of counterfeiting cases in which a man was determined to be entering malls with a wad of counterfeit $20 bills. Um, He would make small purchases of like a pair of socks or a book, Mm -hmm. you know, just like a cheap little book or something else small. And he would go to several stores in the same mall and pay with his counterfeit 20s and then get real cash back. Real change, yeah. So, you know, if you're buying a $3 item. It's $17 hard, cold cash. Yeah, and you're doing Out it of nothing. Stores, and it's in the 80s. Like, 
you know, she was cheap back then. Mm -hmm. um, thousands of dollars in counterfeit $20 bills were easily being passed in most stores. These were the best counterfeits the Secret Service had seen. Um, they even had the red and blue thread look printed on them. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. The biggest difference was that the thickness of the bills were like very slightly off. Oh. So like only somebody who was like really, really in the money. Yeah. And like yeah. they have like one lady that like does all of that. Mm -hmm. Basically, she can tell just by touching it. She's bad mama Gemma. That is amazing. And most people wouldn't notice that. But like I remember like working in retail. I can tell yeah. the difference in sound of coins. Mm-hmm which is really funny. I can always that tell is interesting. If, if it's like an old silver coin. Yeah, because it sounds different. has a different, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, pennies, pennies too, because they're yep. made out of different material. And then the silver certificates, mm -hmm. always different. Yeah. They were just different. So um, we handled a lot of coin back in the 90s. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> so much coin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we are. I lost my spot for a second. Uh, so, I distracted you. I'm sorry. It's, I scrolled too far. It was my <laughs> fault. Um, anyway, one store clerk felt like this one customer had passed her a fake. Something about this $20 bill just felt different. Mm -hmm. um, so she paid close attention as he left. And she had a description of the man and his car. But unfortunately, she couldn't see his license plate. She contacted the Secret Service and they made a composite sketch from her info. Um, so based on where his bills had been used throughout. Now, this is a three plus year. <laughs> That's a lot of bills. Literally a manhunt for this guy. Right. They know his routes that he takes because he does the same routes all the time, basically. Um, but also... Based on where his bills were being used, the Secret Service thought maybe he was a pilot for an airline. Mm. Um, and one of the mall passers counterfeit bills was passed in an airport parking lot in DC. And a similar bill had been passed exactly a year prior at the same parking lot, which is really interesting. Mm. Yeah. They said exactly one year. Like I was, I was like, do they mean to the day? Because that's exactly a year. Right. Like maybe they were just like, oh, it was about a year. Well, I wonder, like, did he like every day of a year take the same? Like it's questionable. It's weird. Yeah. Who knows? So Agents showed the composite sketch they had to a ground crew at the local airport close to that parking um, garage lot, whatever, and they recognized him as a pilot. So airline officials gave the Secret Service a picture of that pilot. So now they have an actual picture of this guy who they think is the mall passer. And they start surveilling him. Um, they watch him make small purchases and immediate immediately collect those bills from the stores he was shopping at. Um, unfortunately, the bills they collected from this guy weren't counterfeits. Yeah. So they, 
they realized after a little bit more digging up on that guy that they were actually surveilling the wrong guy. Hmm. Was, wasn't him. So, yeah. Sad when your efforts are put into the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Following the Bartolaven's travel pattern, Secret Service agents in Knoxville, Tennessee, began taking copies of his composite sketch to mall clerks in chain stores he had targeted along a hypothesized projected itinerary. Mm -hmm. They kind of had an idea. Um, DeBartolaven was identified as the suspect in these crimes and a national manhunt ensued. So the Secret Service got ahead of him, thankfully. Yeah. Um, And a clerk at a store in a Tennessee mall who only three hours earlier had received a sketch of um, DeBartolaven from the Secret Service completed a transaction with the man in the sketch. He passed a counterfeit $20 bill to the clerk and the clerk called mall security immediately after he left the store. And there were agents and local police all over this mall waiting for this guy to show up. Yeah. So mall security alerted the secret service agents and the local cops. And they actually chased him down in the mall and arrested him as he was attempting to flee. And (laughs) I would like to see that video. It's, it's amusing because he like tried to tell the cops, the local police that were going to grab him, that the police inside had already cleared him to leave. (laughs) Right. Like, Come on, dead. Like, they're not going to fall for your bullshit. I would hope so, not. Thankfully, they did not. Good. Um, <laughs> Secret Service agents waited until nighttime to search the parking lot of the mall for DeBartolaven's car. Smart move. And they found one car that his car keys fit. And inside that car, they found more wads of counterfeit $20 bills each with a label stating the city in which they would be used. Like they all oh. had notes on them. He's very weird. That's strange. Um, they also found women's underwear and many different license plates, different driver's licenses, all with his photo, but different names, police badges, and a handgun. Oh, yeah. That does not bode well. Yeah. The car was, yeah. So like all my, all my alarms would be going off at that point. Yeah. Um, The car was also outfitted with a police siren. Like one of those that you put on top of the roof Uh they had back in the eighties. Oh yeah. Yeah. My grandfather's, my grandfather sported that. It's amazing. (laughs) So When Secret Service agents began searching for more info on their suspect, they quickly realized he wasn't actually the man he said he was, because that guy didn't actually exist. Um, But they dug deeper into records for the car registration, and it had been registered in a couple of different states. And this led them directly to who De Bartolaben truly was. Mm-hmm. And when they looked up his name, they saw he had been arrested for counterfeiting previously. Mm-hmm. Um, this also led to an address. And so they went and searched this house or this residence. I don't know if it was a house. It was probably, I think it was an apartment. Um, 
that they didn't find anything at all yeah that had to do with anything counterfeiting um, um so it wasn't his counterfeit base it was right. just where he laid his head at night right so hmm. most agents were sent back to the office but two stayed behind and searched the red the residence a second time and one of them decided to search this phone book that was in there and thank goodness he did because by the way kids a phone book is what they put out <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> what they put this out hysterical. so that you could look up people's <laughs> numbers. Uh, businesses were in the white pages and residents were in the yellow pages. This is true. Just just to true. bring it a and just in case you didn't know. My mom sent me the funniest thing. I think it was my mom. <laughs> was it my mom? I need to <clears throat> hold please. Hold. Don't you wish we had hold music? That'd be freaking hysterical. <laughs> um, who is it? And that's why we drink. They have elevator music. Yeah. <laughs> when they press pause. I gotta that's find funny. this real quick. It's really funny. If I can. Do 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 man. Maybe it wasn't her. It was like kids. Maybe she sent it to me on Instagram. I don't know. It was like yeah. kids doing like their history research or like they were at a historical <laughs> location. And uh-huh. it was a phone booth. Phone booth. <laughs> Did you send that to me? I don't know if I sent it to you or I if. My, I'm pretty sure my mom did. I just had seen it. Mm. I don't remember. I think maybe she posted something. Did she, she post? She posted she something, I think. Yeah. She might have. Yep. So anyway. We digress, but yeah. So a phone it booth. Was all to a good cause. Do you know what a phone booth is, children? And a phone book are things you used in public. You didn't have a cell phone. So you had when we were when we were younger. Oh, we were. It was, it was so so long ago. I carried pockets full of dimes because it was twenty <laughs> cents to make a phone call. Back in the late nineteen hundreds. <laughs> There's my old man. <sighs> Too many cigars. <clears throat> okay, so this guy, the secret service agent, is looking through the phone book. And when he got to the moving section, there was a blank piece of paper stuck between two pages of moving and storage companies. So the agents quickly came to the conclusion that he was using a storage unit. Uh huh. And they went to the closest one to his apartment and found out that, yes, he did have one there. Not under his actual real name, but whatever. They still had many aliases. He had like 40 aliases, apparently. So he was good at counterfeiting bills. It makes sense he would counterfeit Mm -hmm. licenses and stuff. So So inside this storage unit, they found some of the counterfeiting evidence they needed to help keep him locked up, but no printing press. And the printing press was like the thing they needed to prove that he was printing the bills, not just using them. but there was around $50,000 in counterfeit 20s in there. That's a lot. 
especially back in the eighties, like that's a shit ton of money. Um, they also found more police sirens that were outfitted with cigarette lighter plugins. So he could just like plug it right into his car. No problem. Um, more police badges, weapons, balls of tape with hair stuck to them. Oh, mm. ladies, clothing, rope pictures. This is where it's going to get graphic a little bit, not too much, but pictures of distressed women, notes on how to kidnap and torture and rape and taped audio recordings. And these tapes had women's names on them. Mm. And yeah, it's nothing good is going to come out of that. And what was on these tapes was audio evidence of him saying what he was going to do to the women in his presence. And you can actually listen to these a little bit. Like his voice is disturbing. It's so creepy. (laughs) So yeah. So it was just him like saying what he was going to do to the women that were in his presence in each recording mm-hmm. and then him committing these extremely violent acts against these women and the women screaming in agony and begging for him to stop but he actually recorded so all audio of him torturing yeah. them yep and one of the what strangest shit person Ugh. like really shitty person no yeah but one of the strangest things they found in the storage unit were notes DeBartolaben had written to himself about his goals. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. His goals, I mean, it's good to set goals for yourself. It's a great thing to have like a dream board or write in a journal and have your your dreams written down with your goals. But, But I have a feeling this is a creepy one. Yeah. So his goals of buying a home with a basement so he could build a dungeon down there. Yeah. Yeah. He would also write about how he would act to get the women to trust him and like him. Like if he was going to go to a bar, he would act a certain way. Mm. And like, it, he would write this all down real weird. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's creepy behavior. Very. Um, They also found receipts from his small purchases he had been passing his counterfeits at. Mm -hmm. And in those receipts, they found a money order receipt for a moving and storage facility that was different from the original one. Oh, is this where our printing press finds its way? We'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) So they obtained a warrant for that storage facility. And when they showed up, or when they showed DeBartolaben's photo to the clerk at the storage facility, she said that she knew him as J.R. Jones. James mm. Jones. Very Jim Jones. Like, uh-huh. Why would you choose that name? Anyway, this was the mother load of all evidence they truly needed. The printing press was found and this thing was massive. Massive. How would you even put that in how would you move that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He basically told the clerk at that facility that he was an electrician, I think, and that he needed this storage unit to like store his equipment. So 
there was about $250,000 in counterfeit 20s with oh. the printing press, handguns and knives, little kits with rope, medical tape, and lubricating jelly. Hmm. What does that freaking set off in your brain? Rape kit? That's off a rape kit in mine. Ugh. I would have like, I would have vomited right then and there. Um, they found photographs of women in extremely terrifying positions, bound and naked. Um, and they could actually see like ligature marks on men in these photos. Oof. Yeah. Um, almost 100 pairs of women's underwear and about 20 women's driver's licenses. Oh boy. While there was no way to tell if the women in the photos were consenting or not, because you can't really know, you know, some people. No, have, but did they track these women down? And people have kinks. It's real. I get. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that is. But, but I mean, also, are saying, we finding these women and talking with we'll, them, or we'll, are they we'll, dead? We'll see. Mm. We'll get to that too. Um, they knew deep down inside that this was much bigger than a counterfeiting case, and. We have to keep in mind that Secret Service agents don't cover cases like this. They do counterfeiting and they protect the president. That's their job. Right. Those are their jobs. That's it. So, but because they had been chasing this one guy and they stumbled upon this stuff, now they have to do that. Because legally. They're not really trained legally. A homicide or any of this investigation to that to people or right but no other agent no other agency could legally get involved Mm. at at this point so yeah um so the agents took about 50 of the pictures they had found of women who seemed to be victims and they cropped them down to just their faces um thankfully because like i mean the public doesn't need to see that well they didn't send them out publicly thankfully um they put them together in a composite um and i think they did that with the driver's licenses that they had found also Mm -hmm. and they sent them to law enforcement agencies all over the country which back then like it's a long process it's not you can't just send an email you can't no you can't just like text it Mm -mm. you know like you have to physically like mail stuff or fax things mm-hmm. did fax machines have yeah fax machines were around then yeah like most people yes. didn't have them <laughs> no sure. you didn't have personal fax machines yeah but i'm like sure you can now but yeah. yeah um doo, doo, doo. so they started getting phone calls from different agencies one in particular saw a photo of a living victim and this woman was a total badass. I'm not going to say their names, even though I'm pretty sure they're public record, but like, I'm still not going to. Because live your lives, ladies. Like, go on and live your life. She, yeah, you don't need to have further yeah, trauma. You don't need people hunting you down and being like, oh my God. Um, she went to headquarters and listened to the tape with her own name on it. Mm. yikes and she confirmed it was her in the recording she relived the entire experience as she listened 
She also identified him in a picture lineup. It had to be absolutely fucking terrifying. Like I can't even imagine. This guy was the sickest fuck pretty much. Um, So her story was that she had been pulled over by what she thought was a police car Mm -hmm. two two and a half years earlier. She knew she hadn't done anything wrong, but she still pulled over because, like, what do you do? Um, DeBartolabin took her into his vehicle, and that's when she realized he wasn't a police officer and that it wasn't actually a police car. Mm -hmm. But it was too late. He held her at gunpoint and raped her in the car. Then he pushed her out of the car, led her back to her own car, and told her not to look back. To which she put her car in drive and went to find a police officer. Smart. So thankfully she reported that. Um, They also received a call from an FBI agent who had been working a kidnapping case that fit DeBartolabin's MO. Mm -hmm. And this FBI agent recognized his victim in some of the photos. So now the FBI could officially get involved in the case. Thank fucking God, because they they are some beasts when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Their victim was another living victim of DeBarta Laban. And she confirmed it was her in certain photos that were found in his storage units. Um, DeBarta Laban had pulled up alongside her while she was walking home from work. And he had told her that there was a robbery in the area and he needed to talk to her. And he asked her for her ID and then slipped it into his pocket. And then he arrested her and she immediately realized this guy wasn't a cop, Mm -hmm. but like too late again, she was already handcuffed. Yeah. So he put her in the car and covered her with a blanket. Um, They drove for about three hours and He took her to an isolated house and put her in a closet where he chained her to an eye bolt on the floor. And she said that he would take her out about every hour to rape her and photograph her in like very specific positions. Mm -hmm. And he would tell her what to say and record it all. Mm. So he would be like, I want you to tell me that I'm like amazing or whatever. So after about 28 hours oh, of hour- God. hourly rapes and torture, he drove her back and dropped her off. Like, and of course he threatened to show everyone she knew the pictures he had taken of her if she went to the police. Um, I still would have gone. Well, she like, I don't care. She yeah. did. <laughs> she waited until he left and went to the nearest house to use the phone. Um, she first called her mom to let her mom know she was okay. And then she called the cops. And until this moment, she worried that she would randomly just bump into her attacker. Mm-hmm. But now he was in, you know, he, he had been arrested. Yay. Right. So. Yeah. Cause a life of looking over your shoulder. Constant. That is just too mm-hmm. much stress on your body and your brain. Yep. So luckily she had some finality to this oh yeah for sure um yeah he's super creep so secret service agents also found out debartelaven had been married five times so the agents found all of these women he had married to see if they were involved in the counterfeiting at any point but what they found out was that he treated his wives pretty terribly 
forcing them to do sex acts they didn't want to do and he would photograph them while doing these sex acts um was he an attractive man i don't because that's a lot of females to like lure in and right right well and mary and this was back in you know yeah in the 40s so this was through his the whole 70s, life, you know, yeah, 70s, 80s. And all you needed was tight pair of bell bottoms and a nice hair. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, he would act a certain way to get their attention. Right. Yeah. He forced himself to act ways to make them like him. Well, Super maybe manipulative. He, maybe he had a sense of humor. I don't know, maybe. I mean, that wins over most girls. <laughs> I mean, I I prefer a sense of I humor. I prefer a sense of humor overall. Mm-hmm. For sure. Gotta be entertained. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, so DeBar Laban would use the photos as blackmail, basically, threatening to send them to his wife's parents and everyone she knew if she said anything. So, like, Full control, full control. And he would also threaten to kill her. Um, But when they found one of his ex-wives in particular, they like showed up at her work as she was leaving. And she initially believed the secret service agents were sent by DeBartolaben to kill her. Oh, like, damn. Damn. Wow. She really was manipulated. And she was living in constant fear. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. So one day while they were still married, she had come home and found him in their home while torturing and raping a woman. He showed her the woman and told his wife he wanted to kill this woman. She talked him into letting the woman go and they never spoke of it again. Well, good on her for convincing him to let that woman go. But Well, yeah. And all of his wives believed that he just traveled for work and he would just come home with like wads of cash counterfeit money yeah so weird so fbi profilers speculated that in photographs where his face is seen along with the victims he had murdered the woman and disposed of her body whereas in photographs where he is hiding his face he allowed the victim to live Um, oh interesting yeah the photographs where his face wasn't shown were used as evidence against him anyway Mm -hmm. because Forensics experts were super smart and took pictures of DeBartolaben in the same positions as the photographs and used his freckle patterns to prove that it was him. Nice. Now, I just have to say that is so fucking cool. That is. <laughs> Your I freckle like patterns it. put you in prison, you fuck. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So DeBartolaben asked to be allowed to represent himself at his trials he fired his attorney basically um yeah and we all know through history if you <laughs> represent yourself you're, you're usually crazy and you're probably gonna lose and these were all in different jurisdictions so like it's a lot a lot of trial um this meant one of his living victims had to be questioned by her own torturer though but she did it um. she did it and she stood up to him when he said the voice on the tape could have been anyone's voice To which she replied, no, it was you. 
Nice. In front of the jury. So for that one case alone, James DeBartolaben was sentenced to 180 years. Wow. Amazing. They threw the book at him. Fuck yeah, they did. Um, But all in all, James DeBartolaben was convicted of multiple crimes and sentenced to a total of 375 years in federal prison. And one not so fun fact, but I mean, fun fact. (laughs) interesting fact yeah the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders fourth edition cites james de bartolaben as an example of sexual sadism oh yeah um and james died of pneumonia in early 2011 so he didn't even get to serve a whole shit ton of time but at least he was put away he didn't get to hurt anybody else right um so that's it for that. But I have Al- Alcatron, alchatron.com. Mm-hmm. I used them. Um, they had a lot of information on him. Um, Murderpedia, Google, Discovery Plus show called Hear No Evil has an episode on him. And then there's actually like a movie on Amazon right now called The FBI Files, Cruel Deception. It's mm. really bad. Oh, it has <laughs> good information. Don't watch it then. <laughs> no, it has good information, but like the like recording itself, it's it's cheesy. Like a lifetime movie. Oh, it's cheese, yeah. but like really good information. So maybe do watch it and just deal with it. Maybe just uh, just know it's you know campy, but it's not included in your Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. I had to rent. I had to rent it. Oh, just look to cover at you this. putting putting down the bucks. I mean, for this I, thing. I mean, yeah. I think in the last two days, I've also ordered like hundred and something dollars in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. But that's I know. Thing. That's what I was saying. Like, <laughs> I have to check and see if I can. You're like. <clears throat> I, 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 yeah. But yeah. Um, I got Pete's coffee on the way. I'm excited about it. I was so excited. My sister, hi, Amy. If you're listening, I don't know if she actually listens or not, but I hope she does. We hope you do, Amy. But we hope. It, I don't know. I don't know if she's into true crime. I don't think she is, but like. But she's into know. us. I mean. She's into us. And she sent me a gift card to Pete's. Oh, nice. She's supporting the coffee. ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
<laughs> Our biggest thing is listen, rate, and review on Apple. Yes, we really, we, really. We only it. have seven ratings right now. That, that's still pretty good because people don't write good reviews. They uh, only write bad reviews. So like. We don't want bad reviews. They guys. don't feel inclined to write good reviews. I always do that for people because I'm like, this small business is fucking amazing. So amazing. I'm going to show people like, you need to shop here. Right. I mean, I would, I appreciate it when people do that for me, um, which you do all the time because you rock. Yeah. I support my bestie. Yeah. In everything she does. And she supports me. Word. Word. To your mother. Mm, The mother bird. (laughs) Hi, mother bird. Um, So you can find us on Instagram at crime coffee and crafts pod. We're also on Twitter now. I know you told me we were doing that. And I was like, oh boy. The Instagram handle is too long for the Twitter. So I had to do CCAC pod. So you can find us on Twitter at CCAT pod. You can check out our merch at crimecoffeeandcrafts.bigcartel.com or just on our website, crimecoffeeandcrafts.com. And if you love our podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. This actually helps us more than you would ever realize because that helps us get seen. It's all about algorithms. Exactly. Yeah. Getting more listeners uh, through that is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Importante. And yes, please, 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 please send us your stories because we want them at crimecoffeeandcrafts at gmail.com. Give us feedback. Write to us and tell us what you like. Don't tell us what you don't like. like. Don't tell us what you don't like. (laughs) I have star ratings only. Because we're pretty much just going to continue to do what we do. Exactly. We are who we are. (laughs) Deal with it. But that's it. All right. Yeah. Ready? Ta-ta! For now.